0: The Batman from the sermon series Got On Film spoken by Pastor Peter on You know I cannot say that it was better than Chris Nolan's trilogy. I'm a huge Nolan fan. And uh, I love Christian Bale's version of the Batman. Uh, but I will say, after I watched the movie and I thought about it some more, I would say it may not be better. Or, uh, I would say it's just about the same as the Nolan films, but it was really actually a really good film. I actually like the storyline a lot better. Uh, I think Nolan sometimes has a desire to want to try to trick you and make you guess, and there's a lot of surprises. But this one had a really sort of a, a straight up forward uh, uh, plot to it. You know the story of the Batman. Uh, he was. Uh, an orphan at a young age, parents got murdered. As a result of it, he inherited his father's wealth. Thomas Wayne's became a billionaire as a little kid. He inherited his company. But this Batman wasn't a businessman like the other Batmans were in the past. This Batman was a detective and he assisted Lieutenant James Gordon to help solve murder mysteries. And the biggest murder mystery they were trying to catch, or the serial killer that they were trying to catch is the Riddler, if you saw the movie. And they spend the entire movie trying to figure out who is the Riddler and how can we get him? And that was sort of the focus of the movie. And what the movie did was that it uncovered the dark sides of everyone. And what the movie helped you and I to see is that we all have a dark side. Wouldn't you agree with that? We all have a dark side, yeah? Yes, can you turn to your neighbor and just say, you have a dark side, point to them, you have a dark side. I'm gonna turn to your neighbor, tell them that they have a dark side because it's the truth. We all have a dark side, we all do. Even Batman had the dark side. The Riddler, of course, had the dark side. The Penguin had the dark side. Catwoman, you just name it, has a dark side. And what we're confronted in this movie is that if we don't overcome our dark side, our dark side will destroy our lives. That's the thing. Since we all have a dark side, our goal is not to get rid of our dark sides because I don't think our dark sides will ever go away, right? What is another word for dark side? I guess the theological word could be our sinfulness. But actually, I I like this idea of our self-centeredness or our selfishness. That's a dark side when our world only revolves around us. And so this movie, what it does is that it teaches us that if we don't overcome our dark side, our dark side will overcome us. It will, empower, it will empower us to do evil and to hurt other people. And you and I know that darkness lives in this world. And we've seen the darkness being displayed in, in nations being destroyed, like what we're seeing here with Putin, the dictator from Russia. And we look, we're, we're sort of uncovering and we're learning. We always knew he had a dark side, but now we're seeing it in full display right? And so we see that. We see years and years of what we see in this world, and we hear different news and different things going on. We see the dark sides of people. This month is Women's History Month, and we celebrated to affirm, because this is a church that affirms women in every way, that women were created in the image of God, so women and men are equal, There is no such thing as just because men that men are greater than women and so the church has been guilty of saying that and so what we want to do this month is really celebrate the realities of that but realizing that when darkness prevails we have a tendency to oppress. We have a tendency to make people feel like lesser than as a result based upon gender, based upon race, what you and I have been seeing just forever but really seeing what the racial injustice in our world today between the black and brown people when we see what happens to them. A lot of us have been seeing this with, as, as we embarked on about the one-year anniversary of the Atlanta shootings and we see that so much of Asian hate and oppression and violence is being directed specifically towards older Asian women and Asian women in general. And I have two young daughters at home and a wife. It's a different world. now. so much of what we see in the news is happening right in our backyards in New York City. And so you and I don't have to look too far to see darkness. And I would say, you don't even have to look that far there because you and I all have darkness inside of us. The goal isn't to get rid of it because the dark side will always, I think, be there. The goal is to overcome it so that it doesn't control us. That's our goal. That's what I want to share with you today. As we look at this movie, The Batman, we're going to uncover a main key principle in how you and I can overcome our dark side. And then we're going to look at the story of King Saul. And through this character, we're going to learn through his life what he was not able to do And I hope that you can, so that we can learn to overcome our dark side. So before I get started, can we just uh, open up in a word of prayer? So let's pray. God, we come to you today, and I ask you, Lord, that you'll just speak to us in a real powerful way. Help us to engage within the text that we're going to look at, but also within this movie. And uh, God, I know that we all have a dark side. That's why you sent Jesus Christ. You sent Jesus Christ to die for us on the cross and resurrect from the dead so that there would be hope that our dark side no longer would control and destroy our lives. I pray for those in this room, God, that do a really good job of hiding their dark side whenever they go out of their homes. I pray you would convict them. And I pray you would show them to stop hiding like the Batman and just be able to take off their masks and be themselves. So God, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this room and those who are watching online, I pray that it would indeed be pleasing unto you and all of God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so, I want to introduce to you King Saul for some of you who may not even know who he is. King Saul was the very first king of Israel. Now, before that, Israel never had a king because they didn't need a king. God was their king, God did everything for them. But what happened over time was that Israel was like, We want to become like the other nations. They all have a king. Why can't we have a king? So, God, can you give us a king? God originally said, no, I don't want to do that because I'm, I'm your king. I'll be the one to provide for you. And it wasn't good enough for the people of God. And so they kept complaining, they kept praying, and so God, wore, they wore him off, they wore him down, and he did. He gave him a king, and it was King Saul. And King Saul looked like the perfect king. He was tall, handsome, a warrior. And so Samuel the prophet anointed his head with oil, and he became the first king of Israel. And we learned that in the beginning, I mean, his... He was doing a real good job. And like with most leaders, they start off well, but oftentimes what happens over time is that they don't. And it caught up to him after a while. And what happens in his life, if you read from any, anywhere from 1 Samuel 15, about chapter 20, or even to 31, you'll realize his life just started falling down simply because he couldn't overcome his dark side. And it was a progression. It just got worse and worse And worse, because he didn't know how to overcome it. And so back in those Old Testament times, uh, people heard from God through prophets. Prophets' major job was to hear from God, download that information, and share it with the people of God, all right? Uh, Share it with the king. Samuel was uh, Saul's personal prophet. And so Samuel would hear from God, he would tell Saul, here's what God wants you to do, and Saul would then execute and do it. It seems very easy, right? Well, it wasn't very easy this one time in chapter 15, because what happened there was that God told Samuel to tell King Saul to go to war with the Amalekites, all right, and that he would give them victory over the Amakot nation. The Amakant nation would not allow the people of God to pass by when they were going through the promised land, when they were trying to get to the promised land. They wouldn't let them do it, right? Not only did that happen, but they also were a country of idolatry. They worshiped idols. And because God is a God of justice, he needed to now show justice to this nation. And so the... the it, the instructions were very specific. It was simply this. Go into the country of Amal- Amalek and destroy every living creature, everything that is breathing in that nation. Do not spare any life. Saul, King Saul takes his army. They go. God gives him victory. He spares the life of the most expensive animals, and he spares the life of the king. And I want to pick it up from there because Samuel gets word from God that he disobeyed and then he goes and and confronts Saul. And I want you to pay attention to Saul because he's completely oblivious. He truly believed he actually obeyed God. Look at what verse 20 says of chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave to me. I brought back King Agag but I destroyed everyone else. Instructions was to kill everyone. He said, I brought King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. He is lying here. You get this progression here? Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. All right? We saved the animals to worship your God. That's basically what he's saying. All right? And then here's how Samuel replies. He says, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. This was the beginning of the end for King Saul. And if you know the story, eventually David becomes the new king to succeed him, right? And so we find here in the story that Saul was completely oblivious, that he was living in disobedience to God. He actually thought he did. And that's what happens when you don't overcome your dark side. Because when you don't overcome your dark side, what happens, you start to believe you're obeying God even though you're not. It's a dangerous place to be, all right? And really, what precipitated the dark side, I think a key fuel for our dark side is found in verse 24. Let's just turn to verse 24. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, Yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command. For I was afraid of the people, and they did what and, and I did what they demanded. All right? Who are the people he's talking about? He's talking about his soldiers. All right? Who works for the who's the boss of the soldiers? It's the king. He's the king. Saul's the king, and yet he still was afraid of his men. He longed for the approval of them. His men said, "Hey, king, these are some great animals. I think we need to save it." In fear, what did he fear? He feared that he might not get their approval. I think that's something you and I can always relate to, can't we? A lot of times we fear that we won't get the approvals of others. We want to be approved by people. We long for the approval of other people. That was a key, key symptom in Saul's darkness. He wanted the approval of his people, his soldiers, whom work for him He wanted their approval, and he disobeyed God. He also spared the life of King Agag. And King Agag, he spared his life because he wanted to be looked favorably upon the other kingdoms around him. He wanted the other kings to say, well, at least he was merciful to the king. And so Saul lived in deep fear. He was a liar. He was living in deep fear. And as a result of it, he wasn't able to overcome his dark side. And what begins to happen is that it gets worse. The progression gets worse because a little bit after, if you start reading in the next chapters, King David emerges. Not king, but just David emerges. And David starts to begin to, he was a great warrior. He defeated Goliath. Uh, Women were singing on the streets. Saul kills his thousands, but David kills his tens of thousands. Woo, that didn't sit well with Saul. And so, what did Saul do? He tried to kill him six times. Three times he threw a spear at him, but he missed every time. He had bad aim. He tried. A couple times he called his men to go to his house to kill him. One time he actually offered his daughter in marriage. If he said, he told David, I'll give you my daughter in marriage if you bring back 200 foreskins of the Philistine men. And he did. And Saul had to give his daughter in marriage. Saul lived in rage, in anger, in fear, and in deep jealousy. His dark side ended up destroying his life. In the movie, The Batman, um, Bruce Wayne, he said, and you saw it in the preview, he said, fear is a tool. The best case scenario is oftentimes our dark side comes up because he had a dark side was that he actually thought fear was a good thing to instill in bad people. And so he hoped he would do that. And and every time when uh, the Batman signal would be illuminated on the sky at night, he was hoping that bad people would look at it and they would be fearful. People asked him, who are you? His nickname was Vengeance. But you know what's interesting in this movie? That the more he tried to instill fear in people, the greater the darkness prevailed in Gotham. And as a result of that, there were more killings, more deaths, it just got worse. Darkness begets darkness, Metro. You cannot solve darkness. You cannot overcome it by participating in doing something evil. So darkness can only be overcome by the light in many ways. And that's, what, and that's really what this movie is about at the end of the day. Did you notice that the first six days of the, like the movie spans seven days. Halloween to, I forget, November something, right? I think sixth it was. All right? Halloween to November 6th, and every single day it rained. Highlighting the darkness of Gotham, that you cannot defeat darkness with darkness. And so how do we overcome our dark side? How do we overcome our dark side? I only have one point for you today, All right, This is gonna be a pretty quick sermon. How do we overcome our dark side? What do we learn in the movie and what do we learn in the life of King Saul? What could have happened if King Saul did this? I truly believe he would have overcome his darkness. You know how we overcome our darkness? We overcome our darkness when we grieve our losses and our hurts. Folks, that's not... Some of you read that, especially men, you're thinking, well, that's kind of feminine. No, it's not. Do you know that when you and I grieve, we're never more like God. We affirm being created in the image of God. When you read the Old Testament, you'll find that there are passages where God just grieves and he laments that he created humanity. And that's why he bought the flood of Noah. Remember that? Remember that? it said that God grieved the two two thirds of the psalms is on laments i don't know if you know that we have an old testament book by the name of lamentations all right and when you look at Jesus, you'll find that the most pinnacle part of his ministry was, was really in the last week of his life, in the last few days. And, and he was at the Garden of Gethsemane. And you guys know that? He was so broken because he knew that people were going to take him away. He knew he had to get crucified on the cross. He didn't want to do it. And in Luke's account, it says that he was grieving so much that he was, uh, he was sweating droplets of blood. He was grieving. He was broken in that way. And so if you and I ever want to get to a place where we can overcome our dark side, we have to learn, we really have to learn to grieve our losses and our hurts. Because if we don't do that, our dark side will get the best of us. And just like the Batman, we think the best case scenario to end evil is to actually perpetuate and do more evil. That's, that's what our dark sides will come up with. They'll come up with some crazy warped understanding of how we can get better or how we can make something better. And the more of the Batman did that, the more evil prevailed in Gotham. Look at, look at Saul. This is really sad. This is at the last chapter. This is the tail end of his life. Saul had lost his mind. He was running from the Philistines. David speared his life multiple times, even though Saul was trying to kill him. And Saul was delusional. And here was was he at the end because he was never able to grieve his losses and his hurts. And look what he did in verse 4 of chapter 31. Saul groaned to his armor bearer, take your sword and kill me before the pagan Philistines come to run me through and taunt and torture me. But his armor bearer was afraid and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. He took his own life. When our dark side begins to take ownership of our lives because we can't overcome it, many times there's just no hope. Saul had no hope. When we have no hope, our dark side has prevailed. Bruce Wayne became the Batman because he did not grieve his losses and hurts. The Riddler became the Riddler because he did not grieve his losses and his hurts. Catwoman became Catwoman because she had a father that never loved her, never acknowledged her existence. And that father killed her mother. She never grieved that. And as a result, she she became the Catwoman. It goes on and on and on. Some of you have lost a lot during this pandemic. You've lost a lot. Have you grieved? Have you grieved? Because if you don't, the less and less you grieve when you go through hardships and losses and hurts... The less human you become. And so much of our humanity is encapsulated as we affirm being created in the image of God. And our God grieves, he laments when, go through, when he goes through hardship. And I just, I feel like the church has done such a bad job with that because they just say, hey, just pray, it'll be okay. Hey, don't worry, this person is from heaven. Some of you have lost loved ones during this pandemic. He's in heaven, don't worry. She's in heaven, don't worry. And we know that's theologically true, but it doesn't help. Some of you have lost jobs during this pandemic, and it's been really hard. Some of you have lost deep relationships during this pandemic. Have we grieved the losses and the hurts? Because if we don't do that, then we become a lesser version what God created us to be. And Bruce Wayne didn't have the emotional faculties when he was a little kid when he lost his parents to deal with that. And what happens, some of you have gone through some hardships in the past at a young age, and you've never properly grieved those things. And Bruce Wayne didn't do that. He wasn't able to grieve those losses and hurts. He was a little kid. He didn't have the proper emotional faculties. So what happens when we don't have the proper emotional faculties to grieve that? We don't have the proper parental support to help us to grieve those losses and those hurts. We just sort of shove it way deep down in our soul and we just let it sit there and we ignore it. We pretend it doesn't exist, right? We've all done that. I've done that so many times. And what happens as you become an adult? You think you're unscathed. You think you're, like, that, that hasn't affected your life, but it really has affected your life. And you see it in the movie. It really affects his life because he lived his life wearing a mask and trying to instill fear in other people because he wasn't able to process some of those things. He wasn't able to go and grieve his losses and his hurts. And so for some of you, I know, you've been through some stuff, especially maybe as you were younger. You might have not had the proper emotional faculties, and you were deathly afraid of potentially grieving those losses and those hurts. And as a result, you have decided not to do it. I get it. I get it, particularly as you get older and you've become successful, sometimes it's hard for us to actually say that we're gonna spend some time grieving. We're gonna spend a season of our lives grieving. It's so hard for us to do that. My hope and my prayer is that you would. Because if you don't, fear becomes the dark room where these negatives begin to develop in our lives. And when it begins to develop, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and through that eventually, we lose hope. And that's what happened to King Saul. He lost hope. He had more hope about killing himself than not. Absolutely tragic and sad. Bruce Wayne couldn't grieve that. The Riddler couldn't grieve his own hurts. He was an orphan. He wasn't like Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne was, Bruce Wayne was an orphan billionaire. He was an orphan. His par- I guess his parents rejected him, and he lived in an orphanage where rats would eat away at his flesh. He never grieved the loss of not having parents. He never grieved that. He never grieved the fact that as he was in school, kids would make fun of him all the time, and he was seen as this outcast. He never grieved those hurts, those losses. And as a result of that, the Riddler became a serial killer. The Catwoman never grieved that her father never wanted her, didn't acknowledge her existence, killed her mother, right? And in the movie, you see that. And what happens when she didn't grieve that? And then finally, she learned that her father, who was a mob boss, Falcone, when she learned that her father killed her best friend, she put on a catsuit and she was going to go kill her father. And I love what Batman says to her. Batman said, cross that line, Catwoman, and you become just like him. He has to pay, but you don't have to pay. You've paid enough. Metro, many of you have paid enough. You've paid enough. It's time to grieve. Why does God want you to grieve? Or how do we grieve? The best way I could say it is simply this. God wants you to grieve by allowing him to break you. That's it. God wants you to grieve in a way where he can break you. You got to let God break you because when God breaks you, he will redeem you. That's why he wants to break you. He doesn't want to break you because he wants you to be miserable. That's not what it's about. He breaks you so that he can begin to redeem you. That's why I love Matthew 5.3. Matthew 5. The first thing Jesus taught out of the Bible was simply this. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus basically says this. You cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven unless there's a poverty in your spirit. All right, a lot of us, we think like we got to be like these super spiritual superstars or superheroes to be in a good place with God. Jesus says, no, when you have a poverty in your spirit, you are blessed. Another word for that in the Greek is happy. That you're truly happy. So you got to let God break you because when you let God break you, he is able to redeem you. 2 Corinthians 12.9. Here's, he, here's what Jesus says to Paul. But Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. There we go again. Why does God want to break you? Because he wants to redeem you. Because when you feel broken, you're in a place of weakness and the strength of God then is perfected in your life. And the best way to do that is just to give yourself some time to grieve, all right? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly, Paul says, about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. May Christ's power rest on you as you give yourself the opportunity to grieve your losses and your hurts so that God can break you and then redeem you. Some of you, you need to cry. You need to let God break you. Tears are often healing opportunities for God. And for some of us, it's been a very long time since we've done that. The movie ends in this pinnacle. And what I love about it, is, like I said, it rained every day for the first six days. So the movie covers seven days span. The first six days it was raining every day. I don't know if you why It was just torrential downpour. But then the last day, it didn't rain. There was sunlight. There was sunlight. And it's because Batman was broken. Bruce Wayne was broken. How was he broken in the movie? He learned of a family secret. He truly learned of a family secret. And what was the family secret? The family secret was his father, Thomas Wayne, was implicit in a murder. There was a news reporter who found out some dirt and some junk about the Wayne family. Thomas Wayne found out about it. And what did he do? He got Falcone to go and kill this reporter. And so when Bruce Wayne found that out, that family secret sin, it broke him. In the movie, he went to Alfred and he said, did you know, did you know my father was a murderer? And he said, Bruce, I was only trying to protect you. Parents, hear me on this. Don't ever try to protect, don't think you're protecting your child when you keep family secrets away from them. It's awful. Don't ever keep secrets from your children when it's regarding your family. Otherwise, they will begin to live in a very dark world and they won't know how to overcome it. Unveiling family secrets could be one of the greatest steps for you to let God break you this week. And the best way to do that is if you have a grandmother or a grandfather, your parents won't really tell you. Because if they wanted to tell you, they would have told you. If you have a grandparent or an grand, you know, or an uncle and aunt that's alive, you go to them and you ask them, can you share with me the family secrets? They have the keys to your family secrets. You gotta ask them. And you're saying, well, what where do I start? Start with yourself. What are some things that have just broken you over the years with your own life, your brokenness, maybe your symptoms? If you're struggling with lust, it probably runs in the family. You need to learn about some of that stuff. Uncover family secrets could be a really com- incredibly healing thing. And so on the seventh day, there was sunlight. Because Batman was broken, he was redeemed. And here's what he says, the most powerful quote in all the movie, in in, in the entire movie. Here's what he says, vengeance won't change the past, mine or anyone else's. I have to become more. People need hope to know someone's out there for them. The city's angry, scarred like me. Our scars can destroy us even after the physical wounds have healed. But if we survive them, they can transform us. They can give us the power to endure and the strength to fight. That's powerful. Batman says our scars can destroy us even after the physical wounds have healed. But if we survive them, meaning if we can let God break us, they can transform us. They can redeem us. They can give us power to endure and the strength to fight. Our wounds, our trials, and our difficulties can be an opportunity for God to break us so that he can redeem us. Religion talks about this all the time. They talk about how important it is for you to obey God. The difference between Christianity and all the other religions is that all religions teaches us this one simple principle. Every religion teaches this. It teaches us that if you want to be accepted by God, you have to learn to obey. Every religion teaches that, right? That your acceptance of God is predicated on your ability to obey him. Christianity doesn't teach that. Christianity teaches us that because God loved us so much, he sent Jesus Christ to come and die for us on the cross and resurrected from the dead. And because of what Jesus Christ has done on, on the cross and his resurrection, God has accepted us. God accepts us not based upon our obedience. God accepts us based upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen to that? Isn't that beautiful? You don't ever have to do anything to be accepted by God. You're already accepted because Christ has died for you. So because of that, that's why you and I obey. We don't obey to be accepted. We obey, we obey because God loved us so much that he sent Jesus Christ, that he created this position so that we can go before God, that when God sees you, he doesn't see just your dark side. What he sees is Jesus in you. That's what he sees. That's a powerful truth. And so I love what the author of Hebrews says. The author of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 5.8. He says this, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Jesus learned to obey God by the things he suffered. Why do you and I suffer? Is it just so that God could have you to obey him? No, God is not, just, God is not like that. But the thing is, because we live in such a broken world, unfortunately, dark sides, our darkness Oftentimes pervades. We go through hardships and losses. It happens. It's just a part of life. Rather than shaking your fist to God, what God would rather have you do is allow him to break you so he can redeem you. And when you go through that suffering, you will learn obedience. You can't learn obedience without suffering. It just doesn't happen that way because when you suffer, you rely upon God. God breaks you and then He fills you with His presence and He redeems you. And in that movie, The Batman, there was sunlight. And He comes to this conclusion that if we can endure the scars, it will transform our lives and we can fight the good fight. Some of you need to grieve. You're not fully human because you have not allowed yourself to grieve. And I hope that you'll give yourself the season and the opportunity to do so. I struggle so much in this area. I'm here preaching to you, but this is an area I just really struggle with. Whenever I lose something with somebody that I love, I find it very difficult for me to grieve. You know, my buddy Alex has seen my dark worlds my dark side. I've shared a lot of stuff with him and he's helped me over the years so much about years about how I used to struggle with parenting my daughter, Christina, and he would just help me to understand my dark side better. Different things. But I find that I don't have a natural desire to want to grieve. Part of that is the culture. The culture teaches us, particularly in the church and even out of the church, that you don't have time to grieve. You're busy. Don't worry. It's okay. Just keep moving on. And it's not easy. Five years ago, there was a man, a Dominican man, that walked into this church. His name is Romolo Rodriguez. I saw him. I said hi to him. I never thought I'd be friends with this guy much. I really didn't. One Sunday, he heard me preach about my son, Christian, about his baseball. Romolo was a great baseball player. He was just a great athlete, Division one track star in high school. He won, the, he won the, an all-city championship there in New York. And he heard me talk about Christian and some of my struggles of coaching him because of my dark side. I was struggling to coach this kid. I was, like, I was like a tiger dad, but like with sports. All right? And it was hard. And so he said, hey, do you mind, like, can I meet you at a park? He lived in the same town I lived in. He says, can I meet you at a park? Love to see his abilities. And I said, okay. So he did and he spent some time with Christian. And he says, I think he's got potential, Peter. He said, but um, I think he's going to need some real professional coaching. And so he connected me with a hitting coach and all of that stuff. And literally five years ago when I met him, he, has, he we didn't even didn't make a pact with me, but he said, I want to help your son. I love children. I love working with kids. If you'll let me, I would love to mentor him and coach him and help him to be the best person but baseball player he can be. He has not failed at that for five years. He has poured his life into my son. He really has poured his life. He has mentored him. He has trained him. He's been hard with him at times. He spoke some truth to him. Whenever the baseball season starts and I'm struggling, I'm like, oh my God, he's not doing as well as I thought he would. Romolo would always talk me down and help me to see the big picture. Oh man, he was like my rock when it came to like figuring out how I can deal with my son and different things like that. My son has such a close relationship with him. During the pandemic, he gave my son such a rigorous workout schedule. I was like, I don't know if a kid should be doing this. It's too much. But Christian did all of it, followed it. Every time um, I took him to a baseball lesson, he wanted me to take video. I had to send it to him every time. If I forget, he reminds me. He's like, hey, you, f- you forgot to send me the videos. I need to see it. That's how involved he was. Romolo was really involved in our church as well. He attended uh, the Wednesday nights at the well. He attended Thursday uh, audio Bible listening that we do. And then he would attend our Friday morning prayer meetings. We got a picture there he is, at the Connecticut sweatshirt. He'd come every Friday morning, every Friday morning, and he'd come and he'd pray and he'd be with our church, our community. He just loved the church. And he came really because his daughter said, hey, why don't you come and visit the church? And he stopped going to church for decades. And he came and he really fell in love with God, and he loved God. He he called me at times, asking me about questions on theology and all those things. It was just really cool. He became a true friend to me. Romolo was diagnosed with stage four cancer about a year ago. And uh, when he was diagnosed with that, it was in the GI. And uh, you know, when you have cancer, it's hard enough to fight cancer, but just imagine fighting cancer on an empty stomach. He couldn't eat because his body couldn't react to, His body reacted adversely to, to solid foods. And so he went through a lot. The doctors only gave him actually like a few weeks to live, but he held off for about a year. And even during that time, he would text me, Peter, I need you to send me the videos. Here's what I want him to do and we'd go over stuff, and it would just be really cool. We'd talk about twice a week, and, uh, and he would ask, you know, um, could you pray for me? And every time we would pray, I would ask him how he's doing, and he never asked me, Peter, why is God doing this to me? Because Romolo was a physical specimen. He actually one day showed me, he's, today's his birthday, he would have been 59 today. He showed me his six pack a couple of years ago. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's a specimen ate right, he did everything right in terms of physicality. He never said, why did God do this to me? He'd always say, Peter, I just need you to pray, pray that I would have strength. Pray that I would have strength. And so I would always pray for him twice a week. Three, uh, even up until three months ago, he, ha- he did a uh, Bible study with my son on the phone in Spanish, in the book of Psalms. He said, you gotta learn Spanish <laughs> Because if you play at a college level, at a at major league level, you're going to meet a lot of Spanish-speaking people. So he was teaching him Spanish. And about three weeks ago, um, I was in the hospital. About four weeks ago, I was in the hospital with him up at Yale. And he never said this ever to me, but he said, Peter, this is the end. This is the end. I said, really? I was like, are you ready? He said, I'm ready. I don't think I could do this anymore. So I prayed for him. And a week later, God called him home. I had the honor and the privilege of officiating his funeral. And um, it's been busy. I don't want to grieve. You would think I'd be good at it because I teach this stuff. It took me two years to grieve my father's death because I don't grieve that well. And I don't want to grieve this loss. I want to be busy. I just want to not focus on losing him. But I miss my friend. My son's baseball season started. And I have nobody to call and talk to about it. I miss his presence. We talked about starting a Spanish congregation because Englewood has the largest population here. It's the Spanish people, the Latino community. We had hopes of hiring him if Liberty School came through. We had hopes of hiring him as our head engineer to oversee the construction process because he was a mechanical engineer for Port Authority. We had all these plans set out. And I just need to find some time to grieve the loss of a dear friend of mine that I never thought I would get that close to. Because what I'm realizing is that the longer I hold off on it, the more powerful my dark side gets. And I have to. And I hope and I pray that you will as well. How much longer are you going to let your dark side ruin the days you have left on this earth? We don't have much time, guys. I mean, some of you are young, and so you think you have a lot of time. I'm almost 50. I lived more than I will probably live now. We don't have much time. So how many more days do you want to live it in ruin, in this darkness, with the dark cloud hovering over you? Will you grieve today, your losses and your hurts? Will you let God break you so that he can redeem you? In the words of the Batman, he says, our scars can destroy us, even after the physical wounds have healed. But if we survive them, they can transform us. They can give us the power to endure and the strength to fight. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. And he says, if you do that, I will give you rest. May you find rest in God as you grieve. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. I want you to, for those, if this has hit a chord with you, maybe you haven't grieved properly. Um, I want you to pray to God and ask him, would you give him whatever loss or whatever hurt it might be that you had to sustain in your life? And would you just pray that God would give you the courage to grieve? Maybe you're not in that season where you are grieving, but maybe you know some people in your life that need to grieve. So they can become more and more like God and more human. Would you just please pray for them? Lift up a prayer for them. So let's just go to God right now. And then I'll just close this in prayer later. I made it a point to go to a retreat center in the near future to grieve because I have not grieved the loss of a dear friend. You guys got to do, you got to create a strategy on how you're going to do this. And I hope you can. But I want to pray for you to every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want prayer because you need to go through a season of grieving. Just raise your hand, and I'm going to pray for you today. You just raise your hand and put it down. So if that's you, if you need prayers, say, Peter, would you pray for me that I'd be able to grieve or hurt or loss? Just raise your hand. I see your hand there. I see all y'all. I see your hands. Put it down. You can put them down all over the place. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Say, Peter, please pray for me. Pray that I would grieve. I see your hand. You can put it down. Anyone else? I see your hand. I see your hand. You can put it down. Amen. Amen. God, thank you. Thank you that you don't expect us to have it all together. And I thank you, God, that so much of our spirituality can be found when we don't have it all together and when we realize that spirituality is messy. It's not, it's not neat. It's not perfect. Many times it happens as we get on our knees and as we just weep and grieve some of the losses and the hurts that we've had to sustain in our lives. So I pray for every single hand that has been raised today. I pray, God, that you would give them the courage to grieve the losses and the hurts. But I also pray, God, that as they do that, they would find you, that you would break them and that you would redeem them and they would encounter your perfect strength, God, so they can have the strength to fight and to move on and rather than perpetuate darkness in this world, that they can truly be the light of Jesus Christ to many, to themselves, to other people, particularly in their homes. So just be with them, God. Help them to grieve. Give them the courage to do so. Because if they don't, they become less and less like you. And so God, would you just be with our church? Would you guide us through this season? And I thank you that even we can take a movie like The Batman and be able to make sense of what this movie is trying to create, trying to tell us. That darkness will always beget darkness. The only way there's hope is if we allow you to break us so that you can redeem us. And so I pray for this church. I pray for the people who raise their hand, for your blessing, your healing, and your shalom to fall upon their lives. May they not rush the process. May they take it one day at a time. Be with them, God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.